Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Views on View. I'm your host, Lindsay Wardell. With me today is Steve Edwards. Hello, hello from what do we got? Warm and very, 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 very rainy Portland. It's an interesting combination after the winter we've had. Yes. And special guest today is the one, the only, the cat, Hatak, otherwise known as Matthias. Welcome. Thank you. Here from Hungary. I love sound effects. That, that, that was how it made it. Oh, no. Yes, we have a live studio audience today. I'm holding up signs that say cheer when they're supposed to cheer. So they're pretty good about it. So I cut them off there right there, though. They were getting too long. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. For those who aren't familiar with you, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes, I'm Matias Capelletto, and I'm VIT core team member and VTest core team member. Now, like, I don't know if you hear about the VIT native alternative to chess that we started to work with Anthony and now like a bigger team. I also, I'm a VIEW team member and I'm working now for Stacklitz that hired me to work full time on VIT and its ecosystem. That is a lot of high profile stuff that you are involved in. It's super exciting to get a chance to talk to you about what you've been up to and just get into the VD ecosystem in general. Before we dive in, though, I'm curious, how did how did you get involved, in, first off, in programming in general, but how did you get involved in this ecosystem to, to be a core team member of all these big name projects? Okay. How about programming in general? Like uh, when I was a kid, I started taking some courses on BASIC at that point, like Turbo BASIC and then like Visual BASIC and doing like... Uh, just games or things like that. And I study uh, uh, electronic engineering, but I always went for the programming side and did a good summer of code that got me involved in open source for the first time. This was like a C++ library for a boost project. And after that, I went into like a section of my life that didn't do open source. But lately, in the past two years, I started to get back. Uh, we, in the previous company, uh, Lenio Labs, that I was working on, uh, we released an um, open source project called uh, grid.layouty.com that it was using at that point Vite when it was in version one and Views 3 and like actually like using a lot of the experimental RFCs. We were changing it like every two weeks because the syntax was changing. But that gave me a lot of opportunities to first hit a lot of bugs so because it was really like not even like in a stable yet. So 
I used that opportunity to start like collaborating first in VUs with Anthony Fu. That was a great experience because he really like knows how to take in contributions and work with other collaborators to to make like them involved. And then in VidPress and in Vid itself. And yes, uh, at that point, Evan was doing this massive uh, sprint to release uh, Vid2. And I was starting to, to help. I was using Windows at that point, and there was a lot of compatibility issues in Windows. Luckily, I'm not using that anymore. And so I was mainly like doing PRs for rollup compatibility. And once uh, the project, like it was almost at the end of the nearing the beta, uh, the, the release of V2. So we proposed it to start the Discord server for the community because there wasn't one at that point. And Evan created it and made some of us uh, like administrators and moderators to, to start. And then that was the time when I started to get like more involved. I really like the community side of it, like and actually working with people in the ecosystem. A lot of maintainers of different projects starting to to join the community, and it was amazing to be able to like speak daily with like my my heroes. Let's say from like all the maintainers of different frameworks. So yeah, I started to get more involved, and when Evan created the Vit team because uh, he had to refocus on Vue at that point. Then, like I was one of the initial members of the of the Vite team. That is super cool, and it's been phenomenal watching V as it moved into 2.0. And I think I saw you recently talking about it going into 3.0 in the near future on Twitter. Yes. No. Yeah. Like about the 3.0. Like uh, just to set the expectation correctly, is not going to be like the same champ from one to two that Evan did. We discuss it, and what we are going to do is. Every like year, release a new uh, major version, coinciding when the with the end of life of Node. So this will give us an opportunity to drop Node 12 around May, and also like remove deprecated stuff. So mainly, it's going to be more about like cleaning up than like new features. That makes sense. So is Node 14 going to be the the base version or Node 16? Yeah, no 14 from from Cipoyo. Yeah, I'm. I'm just curious because from the outside, Vite has just been this amazing success of uniting all of these different tools and all of these different ecosystems into a single community. And I'm curious what it's been like from your perspective to to kind of watch that form, especially on like Discord and the different plugins that have been, come around. I mean, there there's React plugins, there's Solid plugins, there's Svelte plugins. You know, you've got all the different frameworks old and new kind of converging on this one tool. What has it been like to watch that community form? It, it has been really amazing to to watch and actually like be, be part of, of it. it. It was kind of gradual because like every community started to, to join and like they started to work in, in the different plugins, as you said. One, one important feature that make a big difference from the vid1 to the vid2 era was that the develop it from wmr that it was an alternative it is an alternative to to vid develop it with from the team that is doing preact so they did this system where you have universal plugins in vid1 
if you wanted to do a plugin, you had to do one plugin for dev, for the dev server, and one plugin for build. And in V2, like uh, Evan took this idea and implemented it in Vit. And now we have a universal rollup-based API for plugins where we can write like a single API and, and uh, a plugin, and it will work both in dev and in build time. And this this made a massive, massive difference. And I, I think like one inflection point was the time when Svelte actually that switched to to Vit. So Svelte was using a Snowpack internally. That is another alternative to Vit, and they. Actually, uh, Rich Harris, that was the creator of Svelte, he, he is the one that created the like the initial SSR primitive that we have in Vit. And also Evan took that idea and bring it forward to Vit. This was done like in a custom way inside the Svelte kit at that point when they were using a, a snowpack. And I think that these these two things made the 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 whole difference to them because first Vit was based on Rollup and like Rich Harris was the like also the author, the original author of Rollup. And and then this SSR primitive actually directly maintained in Vit that could be shared by all other projects. It was also a very good proposition. So uh, Rich started to experiment and actually he he showed it the Discord and was asking questions and at one point, we saw that they decided to to do the champ, and and I think that that was a, a massive, like let's say, moment for for the community. And actually, like the with the people from Snowpack, they later went to develop Astro, that is now like having a really good moment, and they also switched it uh, from uh, Snowpack to Vit at one point, and and so like and. That was also another very important moment because they joined it and they brought a lot of knowledge from Snowpack. And right now they are working with us also doing PRs and proposing ideas. So it is, as as you said, like there is a, a lot of maintainers that are like not only using Vit, but like they, they have this mindset of like pushing forward and like if they have something that is interesting that could be shared by everybody like now they are doing so the same for i don't know like ryan with solid or or dylan with marco like they identified a lot of things that were missing and like or opening discussions or directly doing prs so vidcore is kind of like uh, moving forward pretty quickly because of like all the people that are involved. So before we get too far down the rabbit hole of Vite, can we go back, take a step back and talk about what Vite is for the initiated? I think we've sort of assumed that everybody knows what Vite is and just talk about what it is, what it's, I don't know if you want to say replacing, what it's an improvement on, let's put it that way, aka Webpack and so on. So can you give us a little uh, background on the basics of Vite? Yes, okay. So Vite is a modern front-end developer tool, like for building your applications. This is like an alternative to Webpack or Parcel or other tools like, like it. And one of the main ideas in Vite is that first during build is using, is, you can think of it as an opinionated rollup setup. 
So this will create a pipeline of like the common plugins for optimization and is going to use ESBuild for minification, is going to support out of the box TypeScript, JSX, like, and as uh, Lindsay said, like if you want to support any modern framework, like from Vue to React to Svelte, Solid, like there is going to be a plugin that is maintained by the Vitcore team or the maintainers of each project. So this is this is the build part that is like kind of similar to using Rollup or using Webpack, but Vit has a dev server where we don't bundle anything. And what the dev server does is directly starts. So it's it's a really good experience because you like type vid dev and the, it's going to say like bit started, you know, like go visit the local host. And this is because there is no bundling to be done. Everything is on demand. You go to the browser to the entry point, and the browser is going to start to to import all the like your your files, your modules. This is using ESM uh, native modules. You, so you have to use a capable browser, a modern browser during dev. And then v, the VDEV server is a smart server that's going to like grab that request and process it, transpile it, and give the browser something that it can understand. For example, like if you ask for a TypeScript file, like the browser doesn't know how to process that. So Vit is going to use internally ESBuild to strip the types very quickly and give the browser JavaScript that it can consume. And it's going to rewrite the import URLs so the path can be consumed. And this is this is the main idea. And the important thing of this setup is that during dev, you end up with a really tight feedback loop where you can you can even enable autosave and you start changing things and like directly seeing the result of your change. More or less like the experience you will have if you change something in the dev tools directly, because it's that fast to do replacement with hot model replacement, for example, at the module level. Yeah, I just started playing with Next3 on my own to learn and stuff, and it had beat it. I was blown away by how fast that fired up as compared to, a, you know, an older version with a Webpack config. It's it's amazing how fast it is. That is like one of the things that people really get like impressed about. And Evan likes to say something that is that you have to, you have to try it. Like it's very difficult to explain. Just like install like a, or fire up with new or like install locally with npm create vid and, and see it by yourself. Yeah, I've been using it a lot recently for my uh, my small Elm-based projects because there's a plugin for Elm to to be compiled with hot module reload in V and with a functional language that's, that's just fantastic uh, to get that experience. It's so fast and it just replaces itself. And in, in a lot of tooling that exists, for example, there's Next.js or Redwood or something like that. There's they're all reliant on Webpack. And when you when you start stepping out of the V ecosystem and you go back to those tools that are you know very high quality tools, just the the developer experience just feels that much more uncomfortable. Just it's that little bit different than using Vite. It makes me want to just stay where I am and keep using Vite and look more into the plugin ecosystem that exists there. So there's there's plugins for a whole bunch whole bunch of different backends, and then you've got things like Nuxt where Vite is built in, and you can choose to to use that instead of having to deal with Webpack. It's just so nice. Okay, so that's the first part. So now the build part of Vite, how does that work, or what's it use? 
So the, the build part is using Rollup internally. And the, like, as, as Lindsay was saying, like, the, like, first, Vit provides a default with a lot of, like, all, all, almost all the common patterns for web development. Again, like, from TypeScript support, like, you can import JSON files or Wasm or Worker. Like, there is support for every, everything and trying to align as much as possible to, to the standard. And then there is a very big ecosystem because, again, it is as an opinionated rollup setup. So you can use most of the plugins in the rollup ecosystem. I think this is, again, one of the, the key points why there, there was also a lot of adoption. If you see, like, Vit didn't have to create, like, the ecosystem from scratch. There was already a lot of, of plugins. And if you see, for example, the official plugins, I think that 95% of them works. If you go to Awesome Rollup, like most of them will, will work. There are alternatives uh, from Bit because there are some uh, Vita specific hooks that enable like mostly things during development. So because we, you have like you can configure the dev server to do more, but mainly they are all uh, compatible. And so during build, you, you're going to get like the normal things that like, again, like this is not something that is going to be that much different from building your application with Webpack because at that point, it's not that much fast. Webpack is also now, for example, like the people in Vercel are investing a lot in SWC, that is this Rust, Rust toolchain that is an alternative to Babel. So they are also speeding up uh, Webpack. And as you said, like they, it's a very mature tool that is going to generate like quite optimized applications. And Vit in that regard also does the same. Like it, it has everything that you would expect nowadays. For example, code splitting, like you can just import uh, using a dynamic import. And that part of your application will be lazy loaded when you need it. And not only the JS, but also the CSS will be like in a separate chunk that when you need it, the JS is going to be requested and the CSS is going to start preloading so you don't have to pay for the loading waterfall. So all these optimization are, are already there. And I think that is a that is also a very important part because if you have a snappy dev server, but then you don't cannot generate an application like that is optimized, then then is quite hard. And this was, I think, it was one of the problems also of alternatives to Vit that they had the dev experience, but the build part they let it the user configure it. They didn't provide uh, this like unified experience. And I think that that is something that for for Bit was also really important for adoption. So we've we've talked a lot about the the plugin ecosystem, and we've mentioned some of the the things that are involved in it. But you wrote an excellent blog post on your site talking specifically about this and kind of the the core aspects of the ecosystem that you saw. Uh, would you mind talking about a bit about that and how? Not sure specifically what I'm looking for, but like how yeah. all of these different plugins are maintained, how the community is organized. Yeah, what, that, that what was. Kind of, some of the some of the top plugins that you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first uh, about the the blog post, it was an interesting exercise because I didn't expect it actually to take that long <laughs> because I started to like research 
and see all the projects that were using Vit at that point and all the plugins available. And so if you go to patak.dev slash Vit slash ecosystem, you're going to, to see it. And it's like at the end, it ended up like being like, a, yeah, there, there, is, there is a lot to, to go through. And you, you get like first, as you said, you get all the frameworks using using Vit. Uh, view uh, starting like it's, it's kind of obvious given that Evan Yu is the creator and project lead of the project, and also like that uh, a few view core team members like Anfu and Solatea are uh, also view core team members. So that is a uh, kind of like a big part of the ecosystem already for Vit was also the fact that Vue was behind it. So we knew that this like the this big framework adopting the Vit will like also push uh, forward the, the ecosystem and others will be more willing to to start using it. And you see, for example, now with uh, Create View uh, that is the replacement to Vue CLI that directly they are using Vit as a recommended tool. And the same for Nux3 that Steve uh, said before. Uh, that is going to be optional, but like there's going to be the default. So when they release the Nuke 3 is stable, that will be also like a big push, push for, for Bit. And then you have uh, React that in particular, because Next is so big and Next is not going to use uh, Vit anytime soon, they are like, doing a big investment in Webpack and, w- and SWC. So the React in particular, I think it's one of the less involved until recently because Shopify uh, started this project called Hydrogen that is using Vit. And actually they are pushing forward also like a lot, for example, of having like server components, but like working in Vit and they are doing a lot of research in that regard. And then you have like Preact, for example, and Preact is from the, like they developed WMR, this alternative to Vit. So it's kind of like they are going to use that too, let's say. But anyways, they were also involved with uh, Vit because there were a lot of shared uh, knowledge, let's say, as, as I said before, Evan took some part of WR and we, we have been talking with them to try to make it like as close as possible, let's say, so people can sw- switch from one to the other. As well, we discussed it already also. And then uh, Marco and Soli, they are preparing, for example, like Solid is working in an equivalent to Svelkit, like calls Solid Start. And so they are also using Vit for that and lead and then like a lot of other frameworks that are like are smaller frameworks but are also using Vit because they provide a lot of like again like share uh, implementation that they can reuse and they don't have to start from from scratch and this is like the UI frameworks but then like Vit can be thought as a like as a toolkit for building also app application frameworks so Svelkit, Nux, Astro, Isles, that is like an Astro alternative, but v- with view syntax. I think that you you did a podcast with Maximo uh, did, at yeah. one point. Yeah, he's a great guy. And then Vitpress, for example, that now it is in the scus- discussion. Like I saw an issue that if it's going to be called Vuepress, Vuepress 3 or not, like they, they are discussing about that. And then like Slinkity, that is 11T plus Vit, 
hydrogen, as, as we discussed. Uh, there, there is so many of them. And also, the like Maximo was the one that started with Ruby, that so bringing VIT to the Rails ecosystem. And from there, Innocency like, took that project and did the same for the Laravel ecosystem. And then like uh, the, the same was done for Fastify. And like there's, again, like almost, I think that almost everywhere you look, there is an integration for, for Vite right now. That's so fantastic to see. I, I've played briefly with the, the Vite Ruby since you mentioned that one right now. And it was really easy to set up. I'm not a huge Ruby or Ruby on Rails developer, but it was fairly straightforward to just plug in, get Vue up and running within that environment instead of having to use Webpacker. So it was really cool to see how how seamless that was. Yeah. And yeah, and Maximo and, Maximo is also like a great how he got involved in the community because a lot of these people then later, for example, like if you go to the Rails channel in Discord in Vitlan, so like you like you're going to ask a question and Maximo is going to get back to you like I think in like one or two days. And like he has been uh, like very active and helping people get get started. Also, that I think is is also a, a big point of why Vit uh, got adopted. It's like not only the tech, but also all the people around uh, helping each other and like uh, trying to to make the DX uh, as good as possible. Like Anthony Food has a lot to do. Also, there like half half the plugins that you will uh, find are from him in the in the ecosystem so yeah there is there is a lot of people working to make something like this apart from like all the lead and all the work massive work that Evan Evan you do and uh, and did but this is this is also like important because a project like vit is so big there is so many things to do if you don't only count core but count all the integrations, all the plugins for every framework, all the documentations in other frameworks that need to be updated to say how to use this build tool. This will be impossible for for one pe- for one person or a small team. Like you need a full ecosystem of people working to to get it done. Absolutely, and it's it's been amazing to watch as everything grows. I think one thing that for a good chunk of last year, though, uh, people were were looking at me. It's like this is fantastic. I, I can write view, I can do all of this, and the hot reload is fantastic, and it just feels really good to work with. Evan was very clear that he wanted to use it going forward as the tooling for view. But what about testing? There there was that big hole because all of the testing frameworks were really designed either around end-to-end testing like Cypress, which is also has a fantastic integration with Vite uh, in the form of the, the component testing. But there was no real good story for how to do unit testing in Vite until recently. I'd be really curious to hear a little more on that story of of how how the testing situation was addressed from the Vite v- ecosystem. Yeah, that that is a good story and actually like a massive pain point during the the past like year. It, it was, I think, the number one question. There was a issue in the repo that it was called like shares uh, like first class integration, and like there was like full of comment and people trying to make it work. So that they are from the from the view team, I actually worked on this project and kind of got it working. But we we had issues because we were missing some APIs. There were even like PRs to add them, like a, a sync transformer, for example, support. 
And but the project, like Chess uh, in particular, lately was like being developed like quite slowly. Uh, now, now I saw that there there is a alpha for for the net release, and actually, like they are getting like a lot better ESM support that was uh, quite shaky before, and also like they are going, they are getting a sync transformer right now. So, like Chess could be used at this point, so that they are managed to to get it working with a plugin. But even if you if you make it work, like if you see like the the tool change that you are getting into when you start using Chess in your Vite application, it is completely separate. You have to configure the Chess uh, again. You have to like grab other plugins to do what already Vite is doing. Vite, it, it has like a, a lot of care for like being lightweight. There, there's a lot of work that has been done, for example, in the 2.8 release, it was like got even smaller. And if you already using Vite in your application and you get Chess, you are like grabbing like a lot from the npm ecosystem and grabbing and putting it in your application. So this was this was this massive pain point, and we discussed it several times. We have these biweekly meetings where we meet with Evan and other people in the team. Like right now in the Vit team, there are like more or less like eight people, and so we get together and we discuss. Uh, we have a list of all the features that have been open. So we discuss what uh, could be added or like what should hold on or even reject. That is one of the hardest things right now because sometimes it's like a one-liner, but it's quite important to keep core small. If not, it's going to become unmaintainable in the future. Luckily, we have this plugin ecosystem that is a lot of the time is not about rejecting, it's about please implement this in user land. So that is a lot easier to, to move forward. And so we, we had these meetings and we were discussing about like, okay, what, what do we do? Like, what do we recommend? And there, as you said, there was, there was nothing that was like something that we could say like, yes, this is the path forward for testing bit applications. And so in one of the meetings, we were discussing this again, and it was it's starting to circulate the idea. I don't know if like Evan was proposing, like maybe we have to do like a test runner ourselves. And I I wrote like in the notes, like VTest, that it was it was a name that I used it in my own testing in the folders. When I, I did a starter, for example, template, like to, to test a new feature, I will I would put VTest. So I will have like a, a few folders name like that. And when I wrote that name, Anthony that was in the meeting directly started to chat in the in another place and said like, oh who wrote that? Like, uh, uh, let's see if it is available. Like, that's a good name. And he grabbed it, the package. And it was it was really funny because Vitesse 1 with a, with a 1 at the end was taken. But Vitesse, it wasn't taken. So it was kind of, <laughs> kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't understand the, I don't know, like, why you, you take that Vitesse 1 but no Vitesse. And well, Anthony, like they say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Okay. Yes, yes. Take it and run. So, so Anthony took the, took the package name and after the meeting, he disappeared for like three or four hours and he got back to the private chat and say, Hey, I have a proof of concept. Like this could work. And so we asked it, like I asked it, Hey, like invite me, like let's see it. And like there was already a like test runner 
working. And so we're starting to, to work together in that. And that's how Vitesse came, came up. This, uh, like Anthony is pretty fast, but this was also the result of like a lot of like pieces that came together. There was this project called VidNote that is also from Anthony, but that he did like in the context of something they were working for SSR in Nax. So, so he already had this project that was about running like node files with, with Vit. And that was the base that he used it to, to create a test runner around. And then we started to add features and we, we opened up at the beginning as a sponsor were. So people in the community that was a sponsor in Anthony or me could join. We created a Discord and, and it was a very interesting, like three weeks where a lot of people starting to join that were really interested in like testing, helping, giving feedback. Some of the core team members right now in Vitesse that there are like six people now came from that, that time. And then we also starting to invite other people in the Vit ecosystem or the testing ecosystem to check it out, to also help with integrations like Svelte, Solid, uh, Vue, and like the other integrations. And at one point it was, it was ready and we opened it, opened it up. And the project now has, it's in like two months and a half old. But it has seen already quite a bit of adoption. Like I would say like a lot of adoption, <laughs> given like it's only two months and a half. And there is a big banner that say don't use it in production still. But Vue CLI, for example, it has already, not Vue CLI, sorry, uh, create Vue, the new starter for Vue, has an option to start your unit test with Vitesse now, for example. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Yeah, it's been really interesting. It blows my mind how fast this thing came together and watching the community grow on Discord like you were talking about was great. I, I unfortunately didn't have a ton of time to jump in, but whenever I was in the Discord, I could just see people reporting, talking, trying to determine the best way to move forward. Just a real strong sense of collaboration. And the fact that it, I mean, officially is still in development and is not meant for production use, but there is so much adoption of it already has been really, really good to see first off, but also it shows the importance of having that first party tooling for for test supported in Vite instead of waiting on other tools and other libraries and other teams to build something. Those with the knowledge like you and Anthony Fu were able to put something together that met the need of the community and was able to bring that experience of test of, of Vite to the testing experience as well. Yeah. And the, yes, about adoption, like it's interesting also that you don't need to have a Vite application to use Vitesse because this is a replacement for shells, like a node test runner. So 
you can use it for, for testing your node library, for example. And I think this may be like if adoption continues to grow, like it may be like a driver for adoption for Vit itself as a dependency of Vitest. Because for example, like for the time that it has been going, if you see like NPM downloads, that again, is not a very good measure because you have a lot of continuous integration downloads there. But at least in the relative sense, we are not far of being like 10% of the VIT NPM downloads. So VTS is not that far from, from there. And that that is kind of like amazing that it's already at, at that level. So specifically, looking at VTest as a replacement for Jest, what features does it offer? Let's say I'm running Next.js or just some node library, and I'm thinking of moving from Jest to VTest. What are some of the features that make it look interesting to me, considering I'm not writing a VIT application? Okay. First, uh, let's say like the SS, uh, SSM story, like with modern modules is a lot uh, cleaner with Vit, and you get to use all the plugins in the ecosystem. That, that is quite interesting. Like, for example, like if you are used to work with Vit application and then you have like libraries on the side, you maybe want to also like include the same plugins, even if it's not for a Vit app itself. So being able also like to work your to do your own plugins like uh, at least personally the the API of uh, Rollup is a lot cleaner than the API of uh, like the chess plugins. So that that is one thing. Feature wise, now we we are around let's say like ninety five percent compared with chess. Like we we have some like opinions, for example. We don't pollute like the globals directly. So if you want to use the scribe uh, test, like these uh, will be available, like importing them from Vitest, or you can configure and say like, okay, globals true, and then you are going to have it. But this is this is a different default, and like we support like snapshots, so everything that you are used to like mocking, so. Like the the normal features, you will find them out of the box. And to me, like the the most important part is like the kind of like the same idea what make Vit special. It is this idea of having a hot module replacement, but for tests. So in Vtest, and one uh, opinion like that is quite strong also is that when you start Vtest by default. It starts in watch mode in exactly the same way that the same philosophy that Vit starts in watch mode. So it is not like you you run Vit watch, you know, like to to or Vit dev. Like so, Vit is the default is development, and then you build your application when you're ready. And in Vitesse, it's the same. The default is going into this watch mode, a, a smart watch mode that uses Vit under the hood, so there is information from the module graph that Bit maintains. So you, when you modify a file, the, like in your test or in your source code, like using a module graph, Vtest can detect exactly what tests need to be rerun. And like, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like uh, Anthony showcased it, like one of like the ways he's like developing, let's say functions now that he creates uh, an inline snapshot. So this inline snapshot will update as you type in your uh, in the same file that you are typing, no. Imagine that you have a function and you like test that function with uh, matching and inline snapshot. 
So you see the result of the function. Like if you will be using like a, I don't know, like a, yeah, a ripple to, to, to see the result right away. So like it is that fast that you can actually do that. Like you are like just typing and seeing the result right away of, of your function directly in your test. And when you're ready, you can grab that function and put it away. So this is also something that you had to try. So if you go to, for example, vtest.new, you're going to open an online playground with, with vtest and you can uh, change some like uh, test, for example, make it fail and you're going to see it red right away. And like you could put it green or red and like it's going to like the feedback loop also there is is very important. And Vitesse has kind of a, a small switch that if it detects that is in CI, it's going to run like it's not going to run in watch mode. So you can also use the Vitesse command in CI and it's going to to work well. But I, I think that the feedback loop, but for testing is one of the main reasons to that people are going to end up switching to, to Vitesse. So I, as you were talking, I pulled up that vtest.new, which opened a lovely StackBlitz editor, which is awesome, by the way. I love finding all of those .new URLs uh, that go to <laughs> StackBlitz. But I noticed that there is a, a GUI for the test suite. So when it started, it, it's not just running in the terminal like I was, I was expecting. It's actually spun up a browser. And as I'm updating the test to pass or fail, the browser is updating accordingly and the terminal is updating. Yeah, and if you go to the, to the UI, and you select, like, for example, you can see the source code and you can edit it there. You can also see the module graph. This is like the basic example that you open doesn't have a big module graph because it's only the test. But if imagine you have a test that includes like a lot of uh, files, this is going to show you the full model graph of your application that is involved in that particular test. So yeah, this is also something that is available. And as you wish, you can you can use the terminal or you can use the, the UI. This is like there is a VDev server also there to to help in that regard. And I think that because the feedback loop is kind of going to be so important, maybe later it even makes more sense to directly have it in your IDE. So in Visual Studio Code, like some kind of Wallaby-like experience where you are developing, and as as you are seeing, like your TypeScript like errors, you are, you are seeing your linked errors, and you should see your like testing, like unit test errors right away as you are typing directly in your ID. That you can have like this open on the side, but imagine that it will be like more like they're integrated. Like Yeah, that that sounds really cool. What is the story like? So obviously this demo is just very basic. But what is the story like if I want to mount a view component inside a vtest? Does that look basically like it would look in jest? Yeah, or I import yes. the component and I mount it with the view test utils? Yeah, yeah, the, that it will work. And a good way to see them, if you go to the documentation, so if you go to vtest.dev and in the getting started section, you're going to see that there is a example section and there is a view example. And there you also have a play online. So you have an open online button and you can play with it there. And there is a, now there are examples for like uh, React, Svelte, uh, Solid, now was Merge it, I think this week. So there are examples from, from a lot of uh, different setups 
puppeteer or like uh, other examples that you want to check. I am going to have to dig more into this. This looks so cool. Okay, so I got a question for you. And this is my boss was like, hey, ask him this. So can you talk about maybe some details? And just to give a little background, I'm always a low-level decals kind, kind of guy. I prefer to use Git on the command line instead of a GUI, you know, for instance. What is involved in converting an existing project from, say, Webpack 5 to Vite? So, you know, whether it's just a straight, you know, view SBA or something huge like what I work on every day, which is a Laravel and view app. For instance, on that, I noticed there's a Laravel Vite plugin that looks like and I as I'm aware, there's a library that allows you to use Vite with Vue 2. But getting down like to the file level, you know, you've got your monster webpack configs that everybody knows and loves so much, at least people that I've talked to. So from a file level, what would be involved in converting an existing sort of webpack package, as an example, to use Vite? I've heard it's very simple, just a couple lines and you drop something in. So I want to see if that's true. Yes, I, I think it depends how much customization your webpack setup has like if you are using like some really custom plugins that you made up and then like you will have to redo them in infrolab that is, again the api is quite approachable so it's not that complex but like for the sake of this let's assume it's a pretty basic yeah, it's a if, pretty basic setup if it is a pretty basic setup setup like the best I think right now there's a project that is called like Webpack to Vit. I think it's called like it, if you go to Awesome Vit that lists all the projects in the ecosystem, and this this project lets you run, and it automates converting the project. So like you like just run it and you're going to get it done, or it's going to like at least you're going to see exactly what are the steps that that needs to be done. So I will I will first point to that. But I I did some conversion, for example, like I tried the, to convert Excalidraw, that is this like drawing tool, and they are using Webpack, and and it was like just a few hours to to convert, and mainly it's about like w- the entry point, for example, like you need a index HTML, so where where does in the HTML needs to be, and exactly like like how you I don't know like if you have a public folder with your Files, then like where where does is like uh, the default in Vit is called like the public. The default in Vit for like generating the file is called this. So there is going to be some of these small details, but Webpack also tries to align as much as possible to the standard. So it's it's going to be more or less the same. Like if your application is already like using ESM and importing modules, there is not much that is going to to need to be done. Like mainly deleting like a lot of dependencies and, and adding bit. So yeah, so in other words, it's pretty basic just in terms of, of doing the conversion. I ask simply because, you know, I'm one of those developers that have fortunately or unfortunately, as the case may be, I've never really had to work with Webpack, you know, spin up a project. Oh, okay, it's working good. Sounds good. Let me know if you need anything. <laughs> So I haven't really delved into that. And so uh, I I had actually done some searching far and wide, at least through the first couple of pages of Google results on, you know, how to convert a, a Webpack project to Vite and hadn't been very successful in it. So I guess just looking for resources to actually do that conversion, because like anything that comes out new, great, this is easy to spin up with something new, but you've got tons of other projects that people want to convert. Knowing how to do that, I think would be useful. Yeah, totally. Sure. And it, it depends also a lot in like, because... 
there is a lot of people that don't use like, let's uh, say like raw Webpack, like you normally use it through a framework and that framework has a lot of opinions. So the, the problem is that us, like the VIT team cannot maintain uh, or scale like all these documentation. So like, again, like, for example, like it will be something that the view team will say, okay, if you have a view CLI application, this is how you convert it. And it will be something like the solid people do the same and the other, like, because it is impossible again for one team to maintain all this. But uh, I think that we should put this project, this Webpack to Bit project, like even maybe add a link in the documentation because it's, it is a great project to get started. And also I will recommend, like, if you have an application that is using Webpack to avoid, like, kind of directly going and trying to change it to use Vit. I, I think that the, the best is to just start clean with Vit and try it out first, read the documentation and try to see how it works to have a, a good feeling. And then you can like directly go and, and rewrite, like knowing how uh, some of the pieces uh, fits in the in the Vit world. No, that's too much work. I just want to throw it in and have it work. I actually got to understand how it works. <laughs> then then we back to Vit and then you run a command and then you cross your fingers. Right. Yeah, I've I've migrated a couple apps from Webpack to Vite, but it's not anything as large as what you're thinking about, Steve. It's been more like small projects. And in that experience, at the end of the day, it's felt very much like, okay, I copy all of my code and I put it over here and then I'm done. Because the plugin ecosystem takes care of so much compared to the manual configuration that you had to do in Webpack for some of that special stuff. Like I was migrating an Elm app, and in Webpack for Elm, you have to specify this is the file extension, this is what you do, this is the the loader to use. And in Vite, it's all right. Here's my Elm plugin, and there it goes into my config, and now I'm done. So I've had good experience, but it it is very much what you were describing, Patak, of uh, spin up something in Vite and then migrate everything piece by piece once you know what's going on. Yeah, I like that approach better. So. There are two last things I want to talk about, and this episode is going to be longer than our average, I think. First, we talked a little bit about Vite 3 at the beginning of the episode, where it was more like a cleanup. But what are some of the things that we should be looking forward to in the Vite ecosystem or in the Vite tooling that are going to be coming down the line in the future, let's say over the next year or something? First, I think there, there will be a lot of like consolidation, let's say, in the frameworks using Vite. Svelkit is going to reach 1.0. Nox 3 is going to like release a stable. Like there's all these frameworks, like for example, like Astro didn't exist a while ago, Hydrogen didn't exist. And so this is something like to look forward because Vite adoption is driven by these big frameworks that at the end of the day, like most users, I like except for like creating a playground or something like that to try something, most of the user will use Vit through these frameworks in the, in the same way that happened to Webpack, that you use Webpack through Next.js or through Gatsy or other frameworks or Vue CLI, for example, or, or Next. So this is, this is something like it's important. Then there is a lot of consolidation also in Vit itself. This past version there, they are like, for example, we are, I think that tomorrow we are about to start the beta for 2.9. There is already like around 30 PRs that are in queue and a lot of bug fixes that needs a little bit more testing than a patch. So we use that particular time of the beta to get the ecosystem a little bit, give a little bit of time in case they have to change something. And 
also like features uh, making like, yes. And then about like big features, let's say like change in how Vid works. There is, there is one PR that I have been working these past months that I hope we can get it in 2.9 that it's, it's interesting, like, because it changes a bit in, in how, how the server starts in call start. So beforehand, one, one thing that Vit does is when you have a dependency like Lodash, Lodash, it has like tons of files, like it's in, in the distribution. So when you like do everything on demand and you don't bundle, the browser actually start to have a bottleneck in the just in loading that files because you have to load like hundreds of files and there is like like even if it is as fast as it could be there is going to be there a bottleneck so one thing that bit have has been doing science like v2 is that is using es build to pre-bundle your dependencies so when you start a bit project for the first time is going to crawl all your source uh, and scan it, find what dependencies are you using and pre-bundle each and put them in a cache. Already like one file for Lodash, one file for view, one file for each of your dependency, already converted directly to be consumed by by Vit and the browser and allowing also like with uh, to be able to cache it with a strong cache. So later when you start for the second time, Vit is going to like directly load these dependencies. The, your browser ev- doesn't even have to like get them uh, again. Like they already cache there if you if they don't change. Then at one point, if you discover missing dependency that was not discovered in this particular phase, Vit is going to try to like uh, to re-evaluate with ES build all the dependencies and recreate the cache and reload the page. This is how it's working right now. But what what we have been working and like if we get this in 2.9 or in 3 like it's right now is this process is blocking so you start the es build process and the server it, you will see that bit say like these dependencies were found i'm i'm prebundling so you have to wait this is only going to happen one time it said in the in the console and then the server start when that finish and what we are going to get is that even in call start, so this this will be interesting for maybe Cypress, uh, online playgrounds, because there is a call start. You don't have the cache. So even there, the server is going to start right away because all this pre-bundling is going to be non-blocking. It's going to be made in the background. Your browser is going to request the file as usual, and then they are going to be like... Uh, the dependencies are going to be weighed at the loading of the dependency level before it was directly blocking all the requests until that was done. And if there is a missing dependency, now the Vit server may not like may be able to avoid some full reload that before was totally unavoidable. But now, like some of them, for example, if you have a view app and you imported lately preact just because you had some algolia search or something like that and that preact didn't doesn't have nothing in common with your previous dependencies that is going to be like like a normal reload uh, a hot model reload and not a full reload so this is something that at least is going to to be important for again like this call start uh, use case that 
online playgrounds, Cypress, and like every time that you start a project with Delta Cash will like will benefit. Thank you. Thank you, audience. And th- I'm looking forward to that. I've, I've run into some of those issues you were describing. So that'll be really cool to see. My second question that I wanted to get to is you were recently hired uh, by StackBlitz to work full time on Vite. Don't want to dig in too much, but I'm very curious how that came about and uh, what and I'd like to talk specifically about what StackBlitz's interest is in Vite. Obviously, StackBlitz is a phenomenal tool for having a client side interaction with Node completely in the browser. Uh, you can spin up whole bunches of playgrounds pretty seamlessly, as we saw today in Vtest. But I, I'm just curious what their what their interest is in Vt specifically, and what your role is going to be going forward. Okay. Yes. Last year they released web containers. That is this technology that you're talking about that allows you to run Node in the browser and. With that, they were able to offer, like, you can run Svelkit, for example, like you can gra- uh, run like a, any Vite application, like uh, Hydrogen, like they, like all these uh, Vite new, Vitest new, like, I think there is a Svelkit new, I don't know, like there is a bunch of these dot new that goes to, to StackGrids. And it's really like interesting because you get to have the, the local experience, but using the browser. So first, it is a secure sandbox that that is quite interesting. For example, like a lot of the time uh, we get reproductions and it's a GitHub repo and I have to, like I suffer a little bit installing like the the project in my local environment in case like, I don't know, there is a, this kind of like attacks in the dependencies. And if we get a reproduction in, in a StackLix, then you open it up and it's a, like a very secure sandbox because it's directly in your, in your browser. And one of the the things that they realized was that the the build tools like at the time when they released this kind of like they were not giving them the experience they wanted because they really wanted to like get an instant start they are like they one of the main use cases for stagrid is uh, for example in documentation you're going to see all this like Try online in the examples like Vit uses like I think that view and the documentation also like Vitest. So like they want you to click and have the experience that right away you have the application. And when they discover Vit, like it really clicked it for them because Vit is like a really lightweight, starts the server right away. You don't have to wait for the bundling. So it was kind of like the combination of like a stablic plus Vit. It was really kind of what they, the experience they were looking for. So they started to actually like try to to give the tools to the ecosystem. So like this svelkit.new, trying to see that all these tools work correctly. And when, for example, like I did this ecosystem blog post, like I included like try online for most, like if you go to the post, you have like this try online because it is a very interesting way to to see what uh, how how it works like you don't have to install something and then you're going to have to delete locally and like it's a one click and you have it there so basically the there was a a lot of uh, synergy let's say between between the project because we also started in V to recommend our collaborators and our users to give us reproduction in Stacklist for example 
because it like if there is an issue, for example, that right now it doesn't have a reproduction, uh, we use a label needs reproduction and a message will appear by a bot that say, hey, please give us a reproduction in GitHub or Staglit because we we really like appreciate that this ability to check it directly. And and yeah, like the uh, Eric Simon that actually like I think it was also in a podcast you you say or like in a related podcast like we are starting to to talk because he was also interested in in the ecosystem and like VIT is in their critical path. Like the it's quite important uh, for them. So I think it makes sense for them to to also like invest in that in its development they were already like the biggest sponsor of vid for like the past i think like six months or or more like if you go to their web page and the, the sponsor you are going to see like a stack first there so this can be considered like their them like hire me can be considered like uh like doubling down on that on that uh, kind of like a bet on the vid ecosystem yeah, I think it's really cool that they're they're doing that doubling down, like you said, and that they're willing to put money into it by hiring one of the developers. It really shows a commitment beyond just sponsoring, which can come and go depending on what their needs are. But having an actual full-time member of their team who is working on Vite is really saying something. Yes, yes, totally. And like, it's great to see more companies doing so. Like Sack now is starting to work full time in Eleven T, for example, and then like Rich Harris like was hired by Barcel to work full time on on Svelte and and the ecosystem, and it's a very interesting, let's say, like alternative to to sponsoring. That it's also good that sponsoring is working better now with GitHub sponsors and Open Collective, but there is still like a, a long way to go there to to make it sustainable for a lot of the open source maintainers that are like putting uncountable hours on like all the projects that that we use and enjoy. Yeah, the last thing we want in the VD ecosystem is to have that situation that Log4j had of there's just a handful of developers and nobody's paying them directly and everything's broken. We'd rather fix that up front, have people actually paid either through sponsorships or being hired full-time and build tools that are successful from the start. Yeah, totally. Steve, did you have any other questions you wanted to get to? No, I got the ones asked that I wanted to ask. Cool. Patak, it has been awesome having you here. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks to. The crowd agrees. The, the crowd completely agrees. <laughs> that was spontaneous. I couldn't control it. Thanks, uh, Kevin. This... Great to be here. Yeah. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. At this point, we will move on to picks. Picks are the part of the show where we share things we like with the community. They don't have to be programming related. Today, Steve, would you like to go first? Yes, we will get to the high point of the podcast early and get to my picks. So first, I actually have a legitimate pick, for lack of a better phrase. One of the things, you know, when dealing with front end uh, development is a lot of times you're communicating with an API and during development, you need to be able to mock up an API, whether you have a real one set up or maybe just need some dummy data. 
that you can play with. And so there's, I've looked at, at various options and came across one. I think I saw it on Twitter the other day and I haven't tried it, but it looks pretty cool. It's called Makaru. Uh, I think that's a very technical name, but it's just Makaroo.com, M-O-C-K-A-R-O-O. It's a way to generate fake fake data to mirror, you know, your production data or whatever the, the data is that you are needing for your application. And now it's time for the dad jokes. So yeah, a couple of days ago, I got complaints about my dog chasing people on bikes. So I immediately took away all his bikes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Saw that. I saw that one on Twitter. I liked it. Yes. Yes. I share those on Twitter. And then yesterday after, after I got off work, I found out that my kids had been on eBay all day. I'm like, okay, what are you guys doing? But if they're still tomorrow, I'm going to have to lower the price. And then finally, you know, a lot of times uh, you meet people that have just had kids and I've discovered that no thanks. I'm a vegetarian is a really fun thing to say when somebody hands you their baby. Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> thank you thank you thank you no applause thank you thank you patak do you have a pick for us that you would like to share yeah i i will pick one like following a steve like on brand with the fake data generation so there is this uh, project that's called fakers.js like if you go to fakers.js.dev and it is really interesting because like this project like there was a well, you, you should read the story of, of the project. We need a podcast to discuss about it. But like there is a community version of the project that was at one point like deleted. And this is like they are, I think they are about to release a, like the a stable version for it. So yeah, like the, the interesting thing is the, uh, the community behind it because it's amazing how they organize and how quickly they have great, again, like a sense of community and everything to like go, uh, go ahead with the project. Darn, when he said he was going to follow me, I, I was expecting some, some jokes there, but uh, that's still a good pick. Still a good pick. <laughs> yeah, it was really impressive to see the community come together in the aftermath of what happened around the original faker and to put together something in, in again, such a short period, kind of following in the foot te- in the same path as VTest in there was a need and the community came together and built it. So it was, that was really nice to see. So thank you for that pick. I have three today. The first two are specifically related to our topic of Vite. One is a shameless plug. So I'm going to plug my Vite Elm template. It is a template if you want to start building an Elm application in Vite. Like I said, hot module reload with functional programming is wonderful because your state remains the same and you're just changing the functions. So it makes things really nice to work with. And the template comes built in with some basic unit testing using Elm test and an example GitHub action for running that test. And there is a button on there if you want to try running the template in Gitpod. Unfortunately, Elm does not yet work in StackBlitz due to its Haskell compiler. But one day, uh, if I keep saying it enough, maybe it'll happen. The second pick, this is a work in progress and the repo is currently private, but Austin Gill, former co-host on Views on View and current co-host of the Function Call podcast, is working on a library called Particle CSS. It is described as an atomic CSS and JS library with zero runtime overhead and CSS deduplication. So you're able to create your styles in the way you normally would in a CSS and JS library, but at the end of the day, it creates utility CSS classes. So it's pretty cool, and I've had an opportunity to play around with it a little bit, and it feels nice to work with. And it works great on both StackBlitz and in Vite. So that is my second pick for the day. So is it sort of like adding a, an additional step 
to get to a tailwind type of thing. So you put in your CSS and it builds your atomic classes for you. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, that's the idea. So looking at the first example, it's like const button red equals CSS, and that's a function call. And then you just write your CSS padding 10 pixel background red. But what it does is it sees that padding 10 pixel and then creates a utility class for padding 10 pixel and separate one for background of red. So if you then use background red or padding C or 10 pixel somewhere else, it doesn't have to regenerate those classes. It's already been done once. So it sort of sounds like it generates the class names based on the combination of attribute and value? Yes. Okay. So similar in nature to something like Uno CSS or Tailwind, uh, just doing it from the opposite direction of you write the CSS and it generates the classes. So then, okay, so how does that work then? So you have to somehow know what the classes are that it generates to apply them to your HTML, correct? Not really, because so we're doing const button red equals CSS and a function call to make those two classes. That function just returns a string with those classes. So you're then able to pass in that string as the, the class. So if you're using view, for example, you can just bind button red as the class attribute on an HTML element. Funky. Have to check it out. Yeah. Interesting. Pretty cool. So that is my second pick. My third pick on the note of hiring full-time people to work on open source projects. My company, No Red Inc., is moving to have Richard Feldman prioritize working on his Rock programming language. It's still very early days, uh, but for those who are unfamiliar, Rock is inspired by the Elm programming language, where Elm is very delightful to work on the front end and provides a lot of guarantees. There's not something that's really friendly and delightful to work with in functional programming and provides all of those guarantees on the back end. There are some languages like Haskell, which provide the safety but aren't fun. <laughs> and then there's languages like Elixir, which are fun and have less safety because they're more dynamic. So the goal for Rock is to find that same kind of sweet spot that Elm has, but for other types of applications, either servers or CLIs or something like that. Sort of like a different, so Feldman, uh, a companion to like a okay. Go or a Rust or something like that? Similar, yeah. But purely functional programming is the goal. Mm -hmm. So... Richard's going to be working on that starting in April full-time. He's been working on the language since uh, 2019, just as a side project. But every every week, uh, he would come into work and be like, look what I did. So they decided this is the thing that he should just be doing. And No Red Inc. is going to be funding that because they think it's important. So awesome. those are my three picks for the day. Patak, how can people find you if they want to continue this conversation and ask you any follow-up questions on what we've been talking about? There are links if you go to patak.dev. But I am Patak everywhere in like uh, Twitter. I'm uh, like Patak Dev and in GitHub also Patak Dev. Or uh, I think like uh, one of the best ways is also to join VidLand, to join Discord. And then I'm Patak there and you will surely see me around. And I'd like to note that your avatar is a very adorable cat. I think you mentioned before we started recording the name. It's, it's Zorro. It's one of the three cats that we have uh, around here. Nice. Yeah, it's been fun uh, as you've been doing more events. People have been like, wait, he's not a cat? What's going on? Well, you got use your icon yeah. and your banner on Twitter. It's... I should I should bring uh, him to the next live stream. <laughs> nice. Does he have oh. does he have like his own Instagram or Twitter account too? <laughs> no, 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 no. He he doesn't like that kind of Oh, he's not into social media. Okay, <laughs> that's good. No, 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 no. She... Tell him that's very against. Tell him that's he's kind of like show. Yeah, tell him that's good. Stay away from social media. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great episode. Hope everyone listening has also enjoyed it. If you are somebody who enjoys social media, you can find us online in multiple places. Uh, you can find the show at viewsonview.com or at Twitter at viewsonview. You can find myself on Twitter at Lindsay K. Wardell. 
and you can find Steve on Twitter at Wonder95. Hope you enjoyed this episode and see you again next time. Adios. See you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.